What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dog Football Podcast, the Zoom edition. A lot of things happened today that required us to put off this podcast just for a little bit longer, and that's quite all right because we're back on Zoom. Hopefully it works, and we know it's going to sound good. So here we are on this Monday, 9-11. We will never forget what happened uh, 22 years ago today. Uh, I feel like it's obviously important to acknowledge everything that's happened on the country and that everybody never forgets that day and the tragic events that happened. Uh, But here we are today, Noah, to talk about our win this past Saturday. It was one of the ugliest we can remember, but Noah, at the end of the day, you know, getting the job done is all that matters. And that's exactly what we did Saturday evening. What's going on? Yeah, it's uh, this weekend was a good time, a great trip up there. Um, wasn't a great weekend for some of our football teams, but, um, that one Saturday afternoon in DeKalb was a really good one. Um, fun environment, got to see a lot of Saluki fans and, um, got to see, uh, met Dante Cleveland's dad and his little brother that was on there for a visit, seeing both games and, um, it was a really good time. Yes, it was. We'll dive into obviously this game aim here but also just our experience itself and that's what we'll do we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the experience and this recap of this game first because that's what happened before and then obviously because today we got all the we got all the rankings we got a Nick, Nick Hill presser and we'll try to just end it with our typical of commits and NFL Salukis hopefully not try to go too long but whenever when it's a very tight game we talked about how on the recap of Austin P when it's a blowout you kind of just talk about some things and then you you kind of just get through it quicker than usual. But in close games, you maybe will talk about a lot more. But, yes, we, we went up after work on Friday. We got there pretty late. It's a, it's a long drive. Can't lie. You know, even going relatively decent speed gets you there in the evening uh, going up all the way to the northern part of the state. But got there late and ate at a popular place that everybody knows around there, Noah Fatties. Got there late, got our order in because it's like a bar-style place and it um, just allowed food around 10 o'clock, right, when we walked in the door for everything. So had incredible food there. And then, um, you know, the awesome thing about DeKalb is, you know, it's not overly big. It's it's probably a little double than what Carbondale is of a university town, clearly FBS, all that stuff. But a lot of stuff's in the same vicinity. Our hotel, our food, the stadium, everything was was pretty cool. So other like when we got there wise, that's what we – Noticed most about it. It was a cool experience. And then woke up, tried to play disc golf, but then went, ate breakfast, and then went over to the game. Uh, and we got over there at a decent time with really good tailgating. And we had the long walk over a nice campus. Uh, and then we just chilled around, chilled around the stadium until the team got there and the team buses uh, welcomed them here, told them good luck. And then we found our seats on the other end. Um, so overall, really good experience roaming around all that and know some pregame notables before we dive into the game itself. A lot of things, you know, you, we noticed, you know, who showed up and who didn't, um, you know, immediately when we were greeting the team and we were on the sidelines, we noticed uh, uh, who wasn't there. And we accumulated that over the course of the game. We figured it out, but Noah clearly the waivers, no, no offense, even though he's the only guy that needs a waiver that we know about who was actually able to go on the trip. We saw him. He wasn't in his Jersey like this, but he was there uh, James Caesar was not on this trip. Uh, Mendiola was not on this trip. Jake Perella was not on this trip. And it's even guys know that we noticed, you know, why interesting enough, why they're not dressing. That's Chase Reeves. That's Jay Jones. 
Jalen Banks, Charles Young, Bryant Brown, uh, Ryan Chanley, and others who didn't make it. Uh, I know obviously that either probably means they didn't have the best week of practice and others played better with them and they take them. Or clearly, like I said, the waiver thing. But no, there's another thing we noticed. I'll let you dive into the unfortunate of it is something that shocked us because we couldn't really recognize him at first. But no, we figured out Ryan Schwindeman did not dress. He was on the sidelines and he was wearing a knee sleeve. And of course, they confirmed it. Suki Sports Network did after the fact. But no, we noticed that and we didn't think we, we still liked our chances, but we maybe it was a little dimmer after seeing Ron Schwindeman hurt. Who else were you surprised that we didn't see on the trip and even did see on the trip? Yeah, it was it was obviously um seeing the the teams go through warm-ups and uh seeing the individual groups and uh just seeing Ryan on the sideline in kind of a wrap or sleeve. And it's just we didn't even it, like you said, it surprised us. It must have happened in practice, just like the Dante Cleveland incident or injury last week. But um, just really unfortunate. Yeah, then seeing Noah there uh, being the only guy that traveled with the team, maybe it was one of those things where it was hopeful if he came up here, he could have got cleared to play um, on Friday, late Friday when they traveled up or on even on Saturday morning. So, um it would have been cool to see everybody else there, but there was a lot of guys that redshirt freshmen or that, or even sophomores. And like you said, Jay Jones, that really surprises me that they did not come. I mean, I've even seen Alan Middleton dress over a guy like Jay Jones is surprising me because I mean, Jay has had his moments and I guess it's just like Zach Gibson. There's just no room for him on the field right now. Yeah, and that's even how I think the whole thing with Jake Perella is because he's a young guy who's only been at one school. It's like, how would he be needing a waiver? He's not like these veterans. And, you know, we saw him in a jersey not fully going last week, so we just don't know what his status is. And maybe he's hurt or maybe, you know, Nick hasn't mentioned anything about him at all, really. And we know our linebacking core is pretty solid, so it's like maybe he just doesn't have a spot on the team per se, but you're right. And then we noticed Ethan Eddins is dressing and he was one of the young guys that dressed over a Chase Reeves. Yeah. Alan Middleton dressing over Jay Jones, a little things you pick up in that regard. It's weird seeing no Jalen Banks and most of those red shirt freshman guys, as you said, not making the trip. Like we see the Jimmy Lansing was dressed and ready to go if his name was called. And there's some others and there's two in particular that clearly or big impactors on this team. But that was what we noticed most. And those are like, again, the, the notables you take in pregame and warm-ups or who's dressed. Those are the sideline things we always want to notice. But the biggest thing definitely was Ryan Schwindeman hurt and not playing. But that means we're going to see a lot of Aiden Quinn, in which we did. We'll talk about. But we didn't see a whole lot of Colton Hogue besides special teams. So we'll say that early. Uh, we didn't notice C.J. Parson, which we didn't really – no, at first, and it was hard to get connection in the stadium, but trying to look up, you know, pictures of the guys and confirming, I'm about 95% sure that's C.J. Parson that's on the sidelines and he's wearing a headset and talking to guys. So we know he entered the portal, and I guess he's not playing or he's hurt or he's a coach now. Who knows? Uh, but we did notice that, another notable thing. So all that kind of stuff, again, that we noticed before games kick off. And, and no, let's dive into this game first in this – and this awesome win, which I guess to this point, we haven't really had much enthusiasm talking about it, how awesome of a win this was. Uh, but, you know, a game clearly that saw, we, you know, some things you, you mentioned to start the game. We had the ball first because they 
they would ever, but we noticed Jimmy Athens was on kick return, not Justin Strong. We'll get to Justin in a second. It was it was Jimmy and uh, Vincent Davis back on kickoff, so that's very interesting. Uh, and then Noah, some other things. But we got the ball first, as I said, and it was it was going pretty well. But Noah, there's something that stuck out on this first drive when we when we kicked off the game was a familiar face that was used to offense when he was a young pup on this in this program and it caught us really off guard. No, we mentioned no Schwindemann, but what kind of sleeve did Nick Hill have on our opening drive that really caught us off guard and they, they tried to use him on it as quick as they could. Yeah. It's uh, obviously going into a game like this, Nick Hill always got some tricks up his sleeve and uh, he's no, he's no, he's not new to offense, but Branson Combs got to play a little um, tied in, tied into our Saturday and um, they went to him, Nick, Nick Baker wasn't scared to throw his way. They went to him right away, um, tried to throw his way, but it was incomplete down the sideline, double coverage, could have been picked off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at the play-by-play, it says Jalen Reed because Jalen's 12 on offense and they're not expecting Branson out there. So um, just one of those things where it tricks up your sleeve that a team where could have probably kept that in your back pocket and use it later on in the year when you needed something like that. but. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Branson was up for it because um, obviously I said at the time um, Nick Hill's saying Travis Hunter who because he's got his own guy that plays both ways. It just caught us big time off guard and you noticed it right away when he was running out there and at first he was out there he was blocking I think he ran a small route it didn't go his way and then he came out and he came back in and then yeah will route to him that. You know, it's one of those things, sure, you can draw it up, but you don't have to throw it. Nick Baker threw it, yeah, in double coverage, and he came down awkward, and we just noticed throughout the rest of the game, Branson didn't really look like himself. Luckily, his linebacker teammates led the charge for him, but I think that was a play that kind of did it to him. Uh, he almost could have caught it, actually. It was kind of thrown out of bounds, but it was just surprising seeing that. Uh, you know, in this drive, we were running it decent, and then that play happened, and then we went for it on fourth and short and then a holding penalty on, uh, I believe, Aiden Quinn it was because I was rewatching a little bit of the game earlier and then that required us to punt. Nathan pointed at 37 yards. So that was our first drive. So it looked decent. So we were, you know, we were, we were promising in the in the first part of this game offensively, knowing that we could probably move the ball. We talked about their front coming into this game and it was pretty dang good still throughout it. And they got the ball and we sacked them right away. I mean, we just bombarded Everybody, I think this sack, it says Dante, but it went to uh, – he wasn't on the field. It was Barola that got to him. Cam was there as well. Just bombarded their offensive line, and then they started to move it, and but they punted it as well. So there wasn't anything in this game, though, until, you know, obviously – and we had – and Nick, Nick was sacked a lot in this game, but he was sacked even on our second possession. And Torney had uh, a really good drive that pinned him, or just at least a 40-yard 40, 40 punt, and we'll get to, you know – what he had and what his net was throughout the game. But, Noah, you meant – they have a – I think you talked about in the last one about they have a they have a kicker from Ohio State that had a, you know, 47-yard chance. And even at the start of this game, we were stopping the run pretty well, and they started the throw. And I guess that's what we wanted them to do, even though they connected on some things. But, no, they got the drive, and they missed the field goal. And then, Noah, that next drive is whenever we were able to – to get going on all facets. And we used a lot of different guys. And the aforementioned Aiden Quinn on a play – that drive was pretty good. That set us up. And we also had a new new place kicker in this game that 
I guess that weekly doesn't, you know, shouldn't surprise us by week. And Nick mentioned that on the presser today, Noah, the new place kicker, and he finished off that touchdown drive. Yeah, it's good to see that uh, we got the uh, guys are competing every week, and we know how shaky that that position has been since Nico Gualdoni graduated, and it's still it's still a position battle. Um, I don't think it's just two guys. I think Ethan and Chase deserve a shot too because these other two guys aren't getting it done right now. And we said it er a lot last season. We got by early in the season, but at some point missing field goals and stuff is going to cost you a game. But here in this one, Thomas got the – made his extra point first one. Uh, Jake's been solid on PATs this season as well, but when coming down to field goals is – when it hurts us, but yeah, we were able to hit Aiden Quinn. And I mean, it, it was the Tyus Daniel, Jacob Garrett play where sneaking him out of the backfield, acting like he's blocking them, running, running a wheel route and just finding him wide open down the sidelines going for 40. Thought it could have went for a touchdown, but he got ran down. Then we got to see Jalen Benefield a lot. Then Nick Baker making things happen. Just like a, a Stonewood is just squeaking, making a guy miss pulling, pulling the read and getting in the end zone for an early touchdown to take us early seven, nothing lead. Yeah. And Nick honestly fooled us on the play. Uh, it was really well done. Everything leading up to that, you mentioned that how we use our tight ends and we want to see Aiden use so much more. He caught a nice pass for about, I mean, he could, we talked about it earlier. He can, he can lead us in yak this year because he's going to be open a lot on those specific plays, but even, he, everyone's going to forget about him, and he's going to, like I said, the 15-yarder he got last, last week, he's caught maybe five in his whole career. That's how we used Jacob last year, and it changed our offense. That If we use Aiden more, it could just be so much better for this offense. And, yeah, he had that huge 40-yard play, and then, yeah, Jane, it was a Romero and Jalen Benfield drive, and so Nick did that, did that keeper into the end zone to get us on the board, which I was just watching the the PAT was a little shaky and barely got in the right uprights when I watched it earlier. We'll get into another one that looked like it was good um, in person besides watching it on whatever. So we scored. So great start getting on the, you know, getting on the board first. And then they had a, a drive where they actually, you know, it was, it was pretty long. And we'll get to the time of possession. It was really in their favor throughout this whole game. But their kicker, Jake Cyber, uh, got another opportunity, 42-yarder after they stormed downfield, and he missed another one. So the momentum was totally on our side. But then, of course, you come out or we come out again, and it's, you know, we got into these things again, which also a thing throughout this when I mentioned these long drives that they were accumulating. They were very good on third and long, and that was probably the only con of this defense, of our defense in this game, which we haven't really talked about how – incredible the defense has been in the first two games but in this game specifically incredible uh but that was probably the only bad thing was third and long letting them sustain drives but he missed it but then we got it back we thought momentum was still on the side and we punted it back to them this was 20's best Noah 53 yards uh the you know it, it went it was we told we'll talk about him at the end maybe but you know 50 50 again on his stuff but he had good rolls on some and other than that he, he was pretty decent but there was just three straight punts in and out no offense, no, until we got an interception right at the end of the half, thanks to Mark Davis, after they were driving, you know, and there's, you know, Tim Barga got his first sack on this drive. He was awesome in this game, uh, but he was finding Casper uh, uh, Rukowitz, if I'm pronouncing that right, a lot of this driving throughout this game, and they were in good position until Rocky wanted to throw a pass that got intercepted by Mark Davis to end the half. Uh, so 
we kind of predicted a low-scoring game, a defensive game. That's what we did. But, no, a pretty ugly first half, a lot of punts. Luckily, we were able to to get it in there at the start. We benefited off two missed field goals and that pick. But, no, you mentioned on the on the pregame about, you know, turnover margin. And we had that early and we had that near the end. And also I mentioned your dog in the game was big. We predict that pretty well. You know, your thoughts on the first half and then take us into the, to the, uh, to the second half where we got a big stop out of it to start the second and then we scored again. Yeah, it was a, it was a really, really tough, tough half of football both ways. I mean, offense not getting a lot of, I mean, besides the one touchdown drive, um, not getting a lot going. I mean, at halftime, Nick Baker was 8 of 11 for 86 yards. Um, no touchdowns there, but didn't turn the ball over. Then he had the one run for the touchdown. Um, only had rushing, 35 rushing yards. So um, not a lot going on, but our defense, I mean, we talked about it, how great it was last week in the first half. It was just as good. And making their, even though he was a, made it to Ohio State for a reason, but making him make kicks, stalling out their drives and getting lucky and uh, being being up 7 nothing. I mean, going down um, from the bleachers, it wasn't like Ole Miss because we were on the opposite side of most Saluki fans. They stuck them way up in the nosebleeds on the, the home side. But um, being up there and a couple guys saying lucky half, lucky half, and um, all that stuff. But it was a really good half by this defense. I mean, we can't get much more out of them like we are so far. But, yeah, the start – Obviously, they, they got the ball first, and they went three and out really quick. Um, got a missed a pass over the middle. DJ Johnson really good in this one, broke up a pass, and PJ Jules broke up another pass. Right then there, got the ball back, and that's when we got another good drive going. Found Aiden Quinn again, Vincent Davis on this drive a couple times, getting getting him over the middle. Then uh, Romier finished it off with a – 10-yard touchdown run, and right then and there with just early in the third or third quarter, you were up 14 nothing and really feeling good. So that's where the defense was going, and you came out with your first drive offensively and put some points on the board. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, hearing from their fans. There were a lot of weird encounters in this game. We saw one on the bleachers. We were talking to some. Yes, and underneath the concourse of them saying all that, and we were jo- you you said a joke to one of them about if they can kick because their guy had missed two at that point. So a fun, interesting atmosphere. You know, their fans were getting into it, and they were getting into a big time near the end when it got dicey. But you said that drive right there was it's it's great to see Vincent Davis get going. There are points in this game, you know, of our top three guys. Isaiah was getting going a little bit as well. Uh, haven't seen much of Deontay, and that's because you know he we missed him a lot on certain plays. A couple of touchdowns we did in this game, also. Uh, there was a, a point where Nick missed him, uh, down the sideline for a touchdown. He also missed Vincent around the sticks, and he threw it out of bounds. And then we punted, I think, after the fact. But uh, it was awesome to see Vincent get going because he had a nice game. Those kind of games we need from him, and you know, getting 18 yards, four yards, 14 yards on this before Romier did get us into the into the end zone so you know overall our offensive line was pretty good outside of some you know there were some sketchy calls on the o-line all game but no we talked about their great defensive linemen and you said to me earlier we were trying to think about it unless we went back to every snap throughout the last two games we're not sure if our guys have been called for false starts yet it's just been holds 
or, you know, nails from men downfield or something like that. But that's been a benefit. And th this offensive line has been pretty steady and they were good leading us with drives and protecting Nick enough to get downfield and then get us over the end zone. So that happened. And then they finally connected on a field goal where they had another long, really, really long drive. And at this point, you're thinking, you know, offense is scoring when they need to besides a couple drives. But defense maybe is wearing out. Just at the at, the, at some point, you see we mentioned how they're really good on third and long to convert. So thirteen plays, six minute drive, they get on the board, and then we punt three and out right after that. So we're thinking the momentum's on their side, and oh, that's what happened because they went ninety nine yards. We pinned them on the punt. This was one of Tony's great ones, sixty four yards, and it rolled within obviously the one yard line. But you know they went all the way downfield you know, leading into the fourth quarter and know they they got us on a play and you you mentioned, you know, they were talking to guys after the game about who, you know, who the, who this guy beat and such. And uh, it was kind of just a broken deal. You know, we couldn't really get to him. We were getting outside rush. There was no interior rush at all. And Rocky was able to lace it everywhere. Uh, and then know it, like I said, 99 yards and that, and that long touchdown they got. And then they got two point conversion. You could say how they did it. But like I said, they kind of got it wrong on a busted coverage. And it seemed like that's what happened in our secondary on that play. Yeah, I mean, with a guy we didn't mention right there in the first half with Iverson Brown going down, um, Nick Hill said after the game he thinks he broke his hand, um, didn't get an update in the presser today because nobody asked injury questions. So that's unfortunate, but Desmond Hearns stepped in, played decently well, um, thinking this is probably his busted coverage, or if it wasn't his busted coverage, P.J. PJ Jules, our All-American, just got burned straight up, gets a really good slot receiver. Um, really their only offense besides their tight end. But, um, yeah, that's their long drive. It was just a great, maybe lucky roll by Torney, be able to pin them deep. But they earned it that way, be able to score score off the 62-yarder. Then they did the uh, Philly special um, for the two-point conversion to make it 14-11. And that's when um, we got the ball back. Uh, Jalen Benefield rushed for four yards, then incomplete to Vincent or found Vincent Davis for four yards. Um, then this, this is where we had trying to find Vincent over the middle, got broke up, then 20 had to punt. Punt of 34 yards, not his best, and it was fair caught, and they got the ball back um, right there with a chance to go take the lead. Yeah, and again, it, it was hit or miss when whenever Rocky would throw deep in this game because we'll get to a play in a second where he did a little bit premature and he did it at the very end as well. But definitely a 62-yarder at that point. And then you mentioned the Philly special. Uh, and then three and out again, you mentioned that drive for us. That was the one I was talking about where he missed Deontay for a touchdown and then threw it out of bounds in Vincent's area. But he missed him on, you know, third and short, which, of course, you know, you know the pocket collapsed a lot, so he wasn't able to run or anything. He tried to throw it. But, yes, and then they got it. And then, luckily, you know, because momentum was fully swung at this point. It, it only took two plays before, you know, the aforementioned Desmond Hearns filled in for Iverson Brown in this game. It was great. Even Ubed Steed, which we mentioned, coverage for Ubed's not the best, but he'll make a tackle. And he was really good in this game. But, Noah Desmond, he, he tracked this ball down like a center field safety. Being the former receiver, got great hands, and he made a great uh, – um, catch here on the backtrack to give us the ball back, but it was all for not again because it was a holding to start our next penalty. And then again, all these plays to get it to where we're fourth and 11 after, uh, you know, nothing transpired behind the sticks and the 20 had another punt 52 yards. 
uh, and then we were able to stop them on on downs. Five plays took about two minutes off the board, and they were incomplete passes. You know, we were getting them a little bit. Guys were collapsing on receivers, so they turned it over. And then, no, we mentioned the, the kicking situation earlier. Forty-one yarder missed by Thomas at the end of this at the end of this drive. You know, it, it was one we were able to sustain a little bit. Uh, thanks to Romir and Nick connecting on a couple passes, Deontay got involved a little bit. Third and nine, though, to fourth and nine. Five and a half left, we said, we need to go punch this ball in. Because if we, you know, because they were still doing fine on offense, even though their last two possessions weren't the best. If we just kick this field goal and make it six, they could go down and waste the clock and score a touchdown. But we knew we were confident in our defense. But no, and we missed a field goal, so we didn't even give them the chance. We're like, okay, let's hold them then on our next couple possessions to at least tie. Uh, but from our view there, it looked like Thomas Burks made it, and we were confused as to how he missed. I didn't get the chance to see it on TV if you had either. But it'll take us through uh, most of these because there were we got another possession before the inevitable awesome final defensive possession that sealed this game. Yeah, this is uh, just go back to that last drive real quick. I mean, before third and nine, it took took again to get the play in way too long, and they called a timeout. And it was just a really bad play call out of the timeout. He thought, all right, I mean, even if you don't pick up the, the nine yards for a first, um, you make it a little bit easier on your kicker and try to make it a 35-yard field goal instead of a 41. But just a really bad play call out of yeah. that. And um, they came out, and they got a delay of game right right away. Um, then that's where Tim Vargo was just – he is in the – we tweeted it. You said it on there. He's an absolute menace, and he gets rocky again for a second sack of the day, um, then an incomplete pass, and there it was. Fourth and 26, they punt it right back to us, and we're like, all right, let's try to sustain a drive and run this clock out. Um, got it to row for a gain of one, then we got it to row again. He gained three yards, and then we had a stupid delay of game. Then Nick got sacked on fourth down where – he did get his helmet. He got up. His helmet was sideways. Rest missed it. Nick Hill was going nuts on the sidelines. They take a timeout, and they get the ball back with two two minutes and 40 seconds um, after, and, of course, Nathan Torney gets his charter rugby-style punt, and they didn't rush anybody, and they came somebody late, and one of the guys backed up, and he, he should have got the punt off way earlier and went right in the back to one of our guys. It was a seven-yard punt. Doesn't surprise us. Our special teams is going to cost us at some point, but uh, it's got to be way better. I get it. Try the rugby style to try to get something, try a high punt or something, but, man, it came at the wrong time. Yeah, that was the most pivotal drive of the entire game because it caught a break for them, and it was absolutely worst-case scenario for us. I'm glad you picked apart that because, yes, when Nick was sacked, clearly got face masks and not call. You said Nick Nick Hill was going nuts, and rightfully so. That's side judge was not great all game. Nick was in his ear a lot. There was even a play Nick mentioned today about, or even on the post game maybe, of, um, you know, Chase Evans got called for a hold, and he just, you know, he was uh, – or an eligible man, whatever those plays were called, and he was just, you know, taking guys to the ground. It's like, how can you call anything on that? It didn't make sense, but this one especially. Missed it, and then you mentioned, yeah, the rugby style. It's like, yeah, you take off a couple more, you know, if you don't like your position on the field, but in general, you waste a little bit more time doing that, and, yes, try to get it in the air. 
everything that we kind of know in those stuff. You don't see them too often, but of course, yeah, when we try it, it fails. So we're thinking this is worst case. They're at our 39 with two and a half left. All they have to do is kick a field goal. But no, it seemed like they were way too aggressive in this. And, you know, they hit an easy play where you think, okay, they're easily getting in yards. Jalen Johnson caught a pass. Um, and then there was an incomplete pass. And they run. They ran a little bit. Then there was a hold, which was a huge play that got him back to our 43. And then he hit Casper again for eight yards. So second and 12, 33 seconds. All you have to do is get in range. When I hand this over to you, you can talk about how bad of clock management and just management itself that their head coach was. Uh, but of course, you know, there was, uh, you know, play also in the face mask of this game, but no, he, he tried to lace it downfield again. And that's whenever we ended this game, Ubed Steed found this when it was tipped, he found it. And that ended the game, there were NIU students behind us yelling. And it seemed like it's the only thing that's ever said talking crap about SIU is what's a Saluki. We've heard it a trillion times at games. And we immediately turned around and said, that's a Saluki. Ubed Steed, Noah, who had a who had a really good game, ended this one, and we were in victory formation after that. But no, it seemed like Hammock was, you know, mismanaging that game because why don't you go down and it's you know you're against an FCS team, you would think they would want to you know play it safe in that sense. You don't want to do too much, and then all of a sudden you lose because no, we thought we lost this game for multiple reasons at the end. But no, definitely their head coach mismanaged that because they should have just kicked the field goal and maybe took it to overtime. Yeah, he was really just – really, the way he was managing it was really weird. It was like he wanted to just play for the tie. I mean, you're going up against having a quarterback that can move the ball a little bit and was finding deep deep threats and finding Casper over the middle and stuff like that. I mean, him playing for the tie with a, ki- a kicker that had already missed so many field goals – and it's just very, very strange the way he handled it, and it ends up biting him. Obviously, wanted to play a little safe because he didn't want something to happen, but it does happen. I mean, New Bed Steed comes up big time. Obviously, he's going to be the leader in that, in that back of the secondary. Now with Iverson Brown down with a younger guy and Desmond Hearns back there, obviously PJ would be back there a little bit, but New um, Bed came up with a big play. I forget who tipped it. Um, I think it was Branson over the middle, but big play by him. And then we get to go in victory formation, and it was really sweet. Yeah, overall, it was just a fabulous ending, like I said, whenever we thought we were honestly going to lose. That's how, like, our, these moments were and what we were thinking, what they could go down and do. They just mismanaged it, and we took advantage, and that just added another takeaway to what you said in the pregame, like I said. And finished that game off. Like I said, victory formation, you're right. We went over around the stadium and greeted the team outside of the outside of the stadium. They're outside of, you know, routes of their locker room. And it was awesome moments. We try to do that before, you know, after every game, definitely home and some roads. We'll try to do it at SEMO. Uh, obviously, hopefully after a win, we do them after wins. But just awesome moments we have for them. And the fact that they were able to finish off this game, it was, like we said, one of the ugliest games we can remember out of it. So we'll get to some of these stats that are kind of jarring and, you know, how they were so in favor of NIU in some facets. It's like, how the heck did we win? But no, let's dive into this 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 box score here near the end. Nick had a you know Nick had a fine game. He got stacked five times. He only had eight incompletions. You know, a lot of typical you know wide receiver screens that we've been used to forever. That's got him to up on the all time charts that benefited him in that respect. But 150 yards, like I said, eight incompletions, not bad. No no turnovers, which is something we didn't do in this game. 
thankfully. But Romir had a nice game, led us on the ground. Everyone else behind him wasn't great. Um, overall, for 71 on the ground, but we mentioned how good their front was. But Romir had a good game with that touchdown and that 19-yard run on that one. I know we mentioned Aiden Quinn leading us in receiving. Need to use him more. Two catches, 51 yards, about 26 a pop. That's brilliant work. And Aiden has done an awesome job in his whole career, honestly. Use him more. Like we said, Vincent had a good game. Noah Romier was good in the receiving department. Isaiah and Deontay had kind of, you know, five catches apiece. But overall, no offensively, this is about, you know, like I said, it was ugly and we won the way we did. But overall, no turnovers, which is what we can benefit from this. This offense will turn it around against lesser best defensive opponents. But no, that, your opinion on that, and then dive into what the defensive stats looked like at the end. Yeah, definitely think uh... – Nick had a, a solid game. I mean, under pressure a couple times, and but he he was taking what they were given. I mean, they ran the same same scheme defense we do a four two five, and I mean it's shown that or at least our, what we saw a lot of our defense and what they saw last week against Boston College that the four two five has been pretty effective. So it was really really hard on both offensive in this game, and Nick did what he needed to do, did not turn the ball, put it in risk besides the one throw to Branson like Rocky did. And that was really offensively, that's the big key of the game. I mean, I said it as um, my bold prediction is we got to win the turnover battle by three, three or something. And that's what happened. Um, but defensively, this, our team was really good. Again, had the three interceptions with Desmond, with, uh, Ubed and obviously Mark in the half, but really good. I mean, PJ Jules, 11 tackles, uh, four solo, seven assisted, had a tackle and a half for loss. I mean, Colin Bohannick was huge in this one, tackle and a half for loss, eight total tackles. Ubed, we just talked about him. Then my defensive dog of the game, Tim Vargo, was great. Two sacks, two tackles for loss, six total tackles. I mean, defensively, obviously. Um, Jalen Benfield has been good for us offensively, but the two guys we got from Eastern, I mean, defensively have been absolutely awesome to go along. I mean, Dune just in the second half alone had four tackles alone. He was flying around. He was really amped up in the first half, walking sidelines, pacing, talking to guys. And just a really good, I mean, you said we talked about Branson. He played a little bit of offense and didn't seem right trying to he was getting over to the trainers and trying to drink a lot of fluids, maybe he was dehydrated or something, but man, but those other guys, Dune, um, Barola, all those other guys at linebacker stepped up. Zero doubt about it. And quickly on offense, because we were talking about injuries a little bit earlier. Justin Strong, we noticed, was was running the sidelines as well. Dealing with something. He he really only played like a third of the game. Uh, he really started the game, and then he came out with injury. We haven't heard anything on it. I'm sure he's fine. He was he was active after the fact and after the game, so we're hoping he's good to go uh, moving forward. But you mentioned, and you're right. I mean, even how our defense was playing in the first half without Dune, it was like you knew if Branson wasn't at his best, yes, that would be awesome to have Dune, and he was incredible in the second half. Uh, Barola was incredible in the first half. He had a couple of his own penalties. It was kind of roller coaster for him, but we mentioned the sack. Uh, that it says he didn't have, which I guess they gave it to somebody else. It says Dante on ESPN app, but pretty sure Zach is the one that got it. But him and Bohannick were incredible, no doubt about it. I mean, 
we couldn't have asked anything better. Luke mentioned it a little bit and, you know, talks, you know, after the fact, like how good the EIU guys have been. Jalen on offense for sure, but Colin and Tim have been game-changing. And we mentioned after the fact, you know, this is the best pass rush we've had since, like, peak Anthony Knight and Jordan Burner together. But we also said Anthony Knight was better at the start of his career than he was at the end. So we're thinking Tim and uh, – uh, Devin Cowan have the potential to be the best passers we've had in a long time because they're already on great pace for great sack numbers. And Tim was on the cusp last week when Devin was good, and then Devin was on the cusp when Tim was good. If it's ever changing, it's great. And if they, if they, you know, be great at once, we'll dominate everybody continuously. Cam was awesome. Dante was awesome. It was Dante did get a sack from what I remember. We mentioned seeing it later in the game, but they didn't give it to anybody else. They must have gave him that as a tackle for loss or something. I don't know. The, the first play on defense, it was a sack, and I don't know who they would have gave it to. But uh, everything else was good. And Lewis Wilbert, it says Jeffrey Wells on here. Lewis got a sack, which was great. Him and Dewey in that second in that second grouping. No, at times we saw the three man, the three man down front, the three veterans. But then we also saw Dewey out there once when Dante was in, and it, we saw a lot of threes and fours. But we saw a lot of what we've been seeing scheme wise and everyone else was good. Peyton Reeves had great drives in this one. Uh, Mark Davis was good. We mentioned Ubed being good, but it really, it was a linebacker led game. I think besides if you had Tim Varga in there, it was, we mentioned it. I mean, the defense is, is going to carry us this year. A lot of the times we think we know what we can, we can kind of just believe the offense will be good, but if the defense is like this, no, it'll be incredible. And the fact that we've said it, before this is going to be the best defense Nick Hill's ever had because if we're already saying it after only game two, I'm thinking we're going to be right on it. So Noah, quickly before we just move further, dogs of the game. There's a lot of guys that this could go to. We've already talked about many, but if we were to iron out at all three places, and we'll probably agree on some. We like to be different, but just to kind of get further onto this, dogs of the game and every three facets in your opinion. Yeah, offensively, um, I'm just going to go with Nick Baker. Um, Really strong game, did what he needed to do, took took what they were giving us and kept the ball out of harm's way, and that's what we got to do in games like this when our defense is playing this well. So give it to Nick Baker, give him a little light. And then defensively, obviously there was a lot of guys, but uh, going with Desmond Hearn, stepping in for an injury with Iverson Brown, beating a young player, switching to another guy that switched over from offense, playing receiver, and now he's playing safety for us. He's going to have a big role in this defense going forward if um, can't put a club on Iverson's hand and protect his hand. So um, definitely go with Desmond. I mean, a guy that having that pick and even if it was his blown coverage for that touchdown coming back and getting a pick like that, big time play, going to need him big. And obviously special teams, um, I'll give it to Torney this week. Obviously the 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 punting into your own player, getting it blocked like that can't happen. But he had some good ones to really flip the field that we really needed at some points. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on all that for sure. I think those were the three guys. And if we were to – because I agree it's, it's it's Desmond or Varga on defense and then it's even Nick or Aiden on offense because they were really – they led the charge in a lot of facets. And you're right because we missed the field goal and we were fine on, on some kickoffs, but – a lot of inconsistency, as we said. It's definitely twenty. He was like, he was like sixty-five, thirty-five, but in his sixty-five percent of good, he was pretty good. It was some of the best kicks he's had since. So um, I agree with you on all those. There was a quick stat here about the defense by Luke. He posted not too long ago as where we stand this evening. He said crunching some numbers. Starters 
have been in for 21 series so far this year, nine versus Austin P and 12 versus NIU. Nine drives have ended in punts. Six drives have ended in turnovers forced. Two drives ended in made field goals, and one drive ended in offensive touchdowns. So, like we said, great work from the defense continuously. It's been the case the first two weeks. Uh, I mean, even Noah thinking about, like, some things that went wrong in this game if we were to segue to – uh, team sets, which, by the way, the turnovers forced by defense is definitely – we're already close to our number from all of last year. So that's how you know it's this kind of year. But, Noah, the the biggest things of – cons of this game, which is definitely the one, would be the biggest takeaways we would have took if we lost this game, was the third down efficiency, one of 11, atrocious, really. We Those drives at the near the end of the game were awful. The play calling, obviously not getting the benefit of some flags and such, but definitely the play calling and execution – uh, they were NIU was eight of 16 on third down. So, and they had seven more first downs than we did. They had like, they had a hundred, 141 more yards totals and a lot more passing. And we outdid them by rushing by only eight, you know, the time of possession, 24 minutes on our end, 35 on their end. Now, if I, I'll get your final thoughts here in a second, I guess segue to your final thoughts of this game. Uh, if I would have told you clearly the time of possession was almost 15 of a difference. We were one of 11 on third down, and we almost got 150 outmatched by an F- FBS team in yards. You would have definitely thought we lost this game, right? Your final thoughts on this game? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, a lot of things where um, we've shown in this first two games where last week our, our your offense shows, all right, we'll put up 40-plus and we'll kick your ass. And this week our defense says, all right, our offense ain't ain't doing too well. They're doing what they have to taking taking what they give us and our defense says we can grind out these games and it wasn't pretty but at the end of the day um you're you're going into that locker room with a win and be be able to rush over to your the the fans and sing that fight song so um we've seen two different football games here and in, in two weeks here by this football team and the way this defense is playing I'm confident to win anyway so it doesn't matter at this point but yeah obviously Nick, Nick, both Nick's got to be better on third down. I mean, maybe a little bit more questionable play calling in that second half by Coach Hill, maybe more um, trying not to turn the ball over, stuff like that, be a little conservative, um, learning from stuff because um, wasn't very conservative down at Ole Miss a couple of years ago in one of his first years, um, having an SEC team in a game and, um, tries to draw something up and throws a pick six and that game became a, a routing by Ole Miss and this one he's learned and he's been there now and he's made some pretty good decisions here and yeah it's a good win um, it's what we needed starting 2-0 and um, you had that in your preseason predictions I had a close loss in this one but winning a game like that I mean taking the free money it's just it doesn't get better than that, especially in a in a in state um, winning seven in a row against in state teams. I mean, um, we have a, I think it's twenty twenty six when we play Illinois, so hopefully by then we can keep it rolling. Yes, and we will play Western this year. It'll be the last time for the man, and we don't play Illinois State. I don't think the next two seasons, so there'll be few and far between of playing Illinois schools until that point, as you said, playing Illinois, and that's when we'll know we'll definitely uh, rule the states. Uh, we, I mentioned the third down efficiency. 
according to Luke, Saturday marked the only, the only the fourth time in Coach O's eight seasons where SAU has been held to just one successful third down conversion. Uh, so that's pretty rare. And the fact that you're able to win and do it where you did, we mentioned they they were able to score it well against Boston College. And no matter what Boston College is, they're better than we are, you know, in terms of athletes and stuff. That's what, um, you know, even what Nick said in his, in his presser today about even compared to NIU, they have 85 scholarships. We have 60. Like there's about 20 difference in scholarships. And clearly they recruit better athletes. They have more money to use in recruiting and all that stuff. And getting a win like this is we remember how awesome it was when the Northwestern game last year set us up for that five-game win streak before we obviously faltered. But the attention that this gets and the joy that we have, we didn't want to have a five-hour car ride back home after a close loss that would have lived up to year one and one to start the year. That's how close this game was. Like we said, one of the ugliest contests we can remember. But just the joy that was in the locker room after in the videos, like we said, when we encountered the players, it's just – we thought we could win this game, and that we did. And that was thanks to a bend-don't-break defense. Antonio James has done an incredible job. And we said, yeah, offense stunk in this one. Their defense was really good up front. It made it hard at times. We like where we are. And every team we play the rest of the year, honestly, like we we know that some games it will be interesting, and this next one will be a, a tall task. Hopefully we can get there healthy and just have the same kind of personnel. But this was a tremendous game, like I said, Got us happy on the right foot. You're right. One of the few of our teams overall this weekend that won. Uh, um, just a great, you know, the players are digging it. Dewey Green was coming off the field saying, if you want real football, you come to Carbondale. So the atmosphere and everything about that was just a special finish. And um, Coach Hill mentioned some of his teammates and alumni were there. Clearly in the Chicago area, we got some good fans. Uh, and just it was just all around great moment to celebrate this win, they got a lot of national attention. There were some quotes on here from Coach Hill, but we heard most of it and heard most of it today. So, I mean, other things that just transpired in this game that we – just some other tidbits that I had. I guess we went through most of them and talked about dogs of the game. Just mentioned how, uh, as you said, Noah, the biggest thing, seven straight Illinois win. And hoping to keep that going. So, Noah, obviously other games happen in this, and it's a great start to know. The other games that happened around the FCS, there was a big one that was huge, and then there was also some other Valley teams and what they did. It's, like I said, great start 2-0 and because we have a head start on some people in the non-conference looking to be 3-0 next week. But no, what else happened this weekend for for all around the FCS? Yeah, just starting, we talked about it uh, on, the pre on the pre-show Thursday night. Uh, Murray State played down at Louisville. 56 nothing win for Louisville. Um, so a, a rough – FBS game for uh, Murray State. Then Indiana State played Friday night, went on the road to Big Ten Indiana, 41-7 loss for them. Um, I don't know how they can score at least a touchdown against Indiana, a Big Ten school, and not against Eastern. But um, Then Rhode Island beat Stony Brook on Friday night as well. Then Davidson gets upset by a Division II Barton school. Um, the big ones on the big opportunities on Saturday, Holy Cross played at Boston College. Tough loss, 31-28, but they, they held their own against an ACC school. Uh, Youngstown was at Ohio State, 35-7. I mean, not an impressive win by Ohio State, but Youngstown held in there for as long as they could. Delaware was on the road at Penn State, 63-7 loss there. Um, then there's some other big ones around around the conference. Obviously, uh, St. Thomas was on the road at South Dakota. 
Um, surprising one here to me that St. Thomas got shut out, but 24 nothing win for South Dakota. They get their first win of the year. North Dakota State blows out Maine in the Fargo Dome, 44-7. to North Dakota goes to 2-0 on the year with a win over Northern Arizona, 30, 37-22. Um, then Illinois State, they started conference play against Western this week, 34-18 win for Illinois State. They go to 2-0 on the year, so good start for the Redbirds. Uh, you and I, uh, obviously with a tough loss at Iowa, Iowa State last week, Return home to play a really good Weaver State team. 34-17 uh, win for Weaver State. That's really surprising for me that UNI has been this bad. Theo Day was 23 of 41 for 312 yards with a touchdown. However, he was he was intercepted three times in the second half. So we're, what I thought was wow. you know, the top top quarterback in the FCS, he has been – He's making me look like a fool with that kind of take. So um thought he could potentially get drafted this year in the later rounds, but he's yet to show me that. Um, then Missouri State played UT Martin in a close one, 38-31 loss for the Bears, so they go to 0-2 on the year. Then the big one, South Dakota State hosted Montana State. Montana State led for a lot of this game. They were up 10-0 at halftime. Then South Dakota State outscores them 20 the sixth in the second half for a 20 to 16 win for the Jackrabbits. So they knock off the number two team in the country at home. Um, really good football game. If you're getting it to see it, it's worth going back on ESPN plus and watching. So um, that's a big win for them early in the season to be tested to move two and zero before they get their final non-con game next week and then the conference play. Yeah, we thought we were surprised how Montana State was shutting them out at first. And we didn't think, you know, South Dakota State would just shake off some rust, but they definitely took it to them the second half, as you said. Uh, that's probably a foreshadowing for potential Natty, but, you know, and those teams will get to the to the rankings. Those teams remain where they were for the most part. But uh, that was a great comeback by them. You know, people were saying how South Dakota State kind of needed to be punched in the mouth a little bit, and it took the other best team in the country to do it. Uh, but a quality game, you're right. Go rewatch it if you haven't seen it. Feel kind of bad for you and I because they do the scheduling, they do whatever. They they made their non-conference just absolutely, you know, impossible almost to win. We all thought they'd have a chance against Iowa State. wasn't the case. And then you get a top 15 team in Weber, you lose at home, and you mentioned the stats. Definitely weird by Theo Day. So they're already digging themselves a hole. We mentioned how they had like the second, you know, toughest in the whole country this year. So. They'll be tough from the conference. Clearly, we don't play them, but it opens a door for someone to take a spot that looked like you and I could have took about third or fourth ranked in the country. So we'll see if that is us. But a tough start for them. And you're right, Phil. I mean, Youngstown got pretty dang good experience. You, I mean, they they did hold it hold with them for a little bit, and the fact that they'll carry that into their season and they're good. So that'll be the team we'll be fighting with behind the top teams in this conference because that'll set them up pretty dang well. So that's what around the Valley looked like. Uh, now the rankings, obviously, you know, if we did this, we weren't able to do it uh, to do the recap yesterday. We would have otherwise, um, which by the way, the PJ also got the uh, defensive player of the week this week for the VAT or for the national defensive player of the week, which is a great sign uh, with that game that he did just to touch up on last game. 
But rankings-wise, let's go to the most important one. That is the coaches poll, or the We Are AFCA rankings. No, we are 18th in this. Illinois State creeping in the 25. Honestly, surprised seeing us that only 18. It's kind of reasonable. You barely beat an average FBS team, but you do it nonetheless. We were the first team to do it. Uh, but other than that, 18, we're still behind no other team we play this week. And your thoughts on obviously that, because there's a lot more we can dive into, but this one is one of the lowest we've seen for us. We thought we'd be a little bit higher on this one. But again, maybe SEMO and North Dakota ahead of us. We're, we're scoping out some some guys that we don't not sure should be ahead of us where it stands today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's teams on here that um, potentially should have been sliding um, down, I would think, than Illinois State with um, two wins sneaking in there, obviously. But, I mean, Mercer felt like a couple of guys didn't have them in their ballots, and they're still at 21, moving up a little bit. Um, but Sanford, North Dakota, obviously 2-0, and moving, staying right there in the – the lower teens, but I think you could easily, I thought we'd make the jump over uh, a Sanford, a SEMO, UC Davis, definitely an NC Central and teams like that. Yeah, and everyone, it's all opinionated besides when they do kind of that stuff, they go off on a lot of the different analytics, but the Blue Bloods had us at 12. Uh, let's. I know that FCS Fans Nation had us at 13, so we're hovering around that. Jamie Williams of FCS Nation had us uh, at seven. He was one of the few single digits. The, the triumvirate poll had us at 13. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, FCS Nation Radio had us at 13 as well. So hovering around that number, and Jamie Williams was talking good about us on their pod, FCS Nation Radio, that I listened to uh, earlier today. And just give it, they were all giving us a lot of praise that we're, you know, a team that could go on a run potentially. Uh, but definitely saying how we're the, been one of the most impressive all year leading up to this point. So hovering around good numbers, like to be higher than 18, but we're 15th in the stats performed. So that's good. We'll take it. And we're looking to build off it more and more. So that's where that stands today. We mentioned Nick had his presser today. He did have one last week. We said he didn't, but they didn't post it. So we had to go to Vimeo, which is what they posted on and find it on there. So we missed it from last week. But we mentioned already on this one, a lot of SEMO look ahead and you just touched on you know, the stuff from this past game, nothing else. We'll talk more about it on the other one, but Noah to finish to kind of round this thing out. We know our commits played this past weekend. And we mentioned week by week that it's kind of hard to get their stats if it's posted. And obviously on the next episode, we'll have what they got going on the next week. But no, if you have anything for what our 2024 commits did this past week, if any stats are applicable to you. Yeah, there hasn't been any posted yet. So hopefully by Friday we'll dig deep, dive deep into that and definitely get what – try to find. Um, I'm even going to go to the extent and dive into their DMs and see if they can start sending us stats because um, – or either tell their coaches to start posting them because it feels like it's getting tougher and tougher to find stats. Hey, you're right. We might do that because we'll tell them, hey, we'll give you a little bit more exposure like we do every other class, and maybe they would do it. So you're right. We'll probably will have to do that this week. So uh, we'll have that on the next one or have it, you know, the best we can. And then we mentioned Dante's little brother uh, was at, you know, the game. He was invited by NIU uh, for sure, but he was there, tagged both uh, staff. So he's a talent. We mentioned we talked to his dad before the game, and his brother was walking around with his dad uh, we missed out on a three-star defensive end I noticed earlier just or earlier the other day because 
uh, just because you know certain staff members followed him. He went to UAB. Miles Cook missed out on guys like that for this class. Did mention some other twenty twenty four guys, some de- some really good level players around uh, in the state here that we mentioned. Why it's important to beat every other state is because it helps in recruiting. Nick Hill mentioned that uh, recently, so we saw those guys like those tweets. So we're just liking our chances for some other ones. Uh, quickly here. Uh, we saw that Zach Zabrowski, we're talking about NFL and former Salukis, but former Salukis wise, Zach Zabrowski, he shows that again. I, I saw a stat where he was he was absolutely incredible. Let me find it here for his stats that he's built the last two weeks. Uh, he's first in passing yards in either his league, I think, was 790, and he's thrown 10 touchdowns in his first couple games. Two games in the books, NCAA Division Two for Central Missouri. Shout out to Zach doing his thing over there. And then quickly, the NFL Salukis. Um, only two play this week. Mike Cole did suit up for the Falcons, but did not play. He played Jeremy, and Jeremy had seven total tackles, three solo. There was a play that they found Bijan Robinson for a touchdown that Jeremy could have batted away or intercepted. He was right in the middle of that play. Uh, he had a good game, and then Ryan Neal had six total and five solo himself for the Buccaneers, and their win over the Steelers, a good game, or went over the Vikings, excuse me. Ryan had a really good game. So those are the only two that did anything. And so that wraps up this episode. Obviously a huge win that we had this week to get us to that 2-0 that I predicted. We didn't get the scores right. It was a six and a half spread. We beat that and we, we predicted exactly it. We're Vegas. Vegas might as well hire us, Noah. Your final thoughts on this game leading into, you know, obviously every game is big leading up to conference play. But the last, the last non-conference game, and it's a giant one we're excited to go to next week, your final thoughts. Yeah, definitely a big-time win. It was a great environment, a good trip up there. Um, getting to see, I mean, starting to see the guys um, getting off the buses and stuff like that, and then seeing them be able to greet them going right into the locker room. It's been a good time. Um, big times just keep winning in the state, and hopefully kids start noticing um, that who runs this state and gives us the opportunity um, to maybe come down here to Carbondale and play for us. So um, definitely a big-time win going into next week. Um, try to go 1-0 every week is the good thing to go by. So got another tough one. I mean, Geno Hess and those guys and DeLorean going to be really tough with those receivers. So um, going to be like Nick Hill, said, Nick Hill said on his presser, it's a, it's a small environment, but it's going to be packed, and we're going to take – a lot of Saluki fans to fill up that opposing side. So going to be a good one. Can't wait to preview, preview them Friday. Yeah, we're thinking Friday will be the day. And it's going to be the game of the week. And, again, that you mentioned going 1-0 each week, that we love the exposure we get for these wins. And we and Nick now is about 500 in his FBS games in his career, and he's had some of the most in this whole – program's history so just we have a lot of luck in that regard and we were to have luck this past weekend it's so fun going to those road games and we will have fun again next saturday at semo yes we will do it around friday you guys can expect that episode and you can expect this episode here early in the week it was a fun one into cal but we got the dub two and oh on the season looking forward to maybe getting the three and oh we'll talk about it on the next episode so for nick malone no lurch as always Go Dogs!